My love language is meals together. <laughs> meals together. Yes. I get fucking angry. Like, I hate not having meals with someone else. I hate eating by myself. But I mean, she experiences romance. She just doesn't prioritize it. Well, but that's what they were saying. That's the point of aromantic is that you, you can experience it. You do get those feelings. You just don't understand What is up, my loves? Welcome back to another episode of Just Press Foreplay. Today we have Becca here, and we are going to talk about the spectrum of love. When I first encountered someone who actually wanted to do like dirty talk and stuff, like during sex, it's awkward the first time. Yeah, like they're like, "What do you want me to do?" And I'd be like, "To have sex with me." I don't know. Pump it three times. <laughs> Put it inside. <laughs> Deep inside. And then they're like, oh, yeah. You're like, oh, it's working. Okay. Harder. I love that cock. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah. And the word cock, for some reason, like, weirds me out. Cock. Like, I can't get myself to say it. That and talking about my boobs. Like, I never know what word to use. Talking my, about them? Yeah. Like, I'm like, I want you to, like squeeze my titties like this just sounds weird you know like what word are you supposed this to use? one girl she was so funny she's like i just don't get it like tits are just sacks of fat on your chest why do you want to suck on them i kind of thought that i think it was yesterday i was just like i was kind of like feeling my boob and i'm like this is literally just like a deposit of fat like what is this like why is this attractive to people like what's happening why do we like squishing it yeah why does it feel nice though <laughs> i can't stop <laughs> can't stop won't stop <laughs> okay what the fuck is romance like seriously what the fuck is romance i was trying to google this and i'm like wait i don't even know where you're, to like, begin you thought you knew what it was and yeah then you're confused and then everything i stumbled on i'm like what all of this this whole world and then we stumbled onto a romantic which is a very interesting topic that we will get into and it took me a solid hour to understand like i deep dived into it because I was, I was like you at first. I was like, this is, no. This is not a thing. No, <laughs> yeah. no. You want this to be a thing. Quit trying to make fetch happen. No. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Fetch is not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the aromanticism is just, I understood it conceptually. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I do not relate to that at all. Like, I don't understand. I don't relate to it. But <laughs> then, okay, so let's describe aromanticism a little bit. And if you guys want to look at the Pinterest board, I would definitely suggest it because there's so many different perspectives on what this means. But one of the guys who I found who talked about it, I resonated the most with him because he had said how he would try and get in relationships, develop them a little bit, but he would start to grow more and more repulsed by that person, get more and more turned off by them the more time he was around them. And so like, that's how he figured out that he fits in that category of aromanticism because he enjoys his bubble of his life being his. And then when he's interested in sexual experiences, he goes and has that, has his friendships and has all those connections that way. But he has zero interest in bringing anyone into his home front and like growing 
a life with them and like having their toothbrush next to a sink and all of that stuff. Like, I mean, I kind of get how for some people that's like, get the fuck out of my space. Dude, I still have my ex-boyfriend's mug in my cabinet. Do you? Like, I can't get myself <laughs> to get rid of it. I'm like, but I got that for him. Like, Dude, I love that. And see, I'm I'm a hopeless romantic all the way too. Like, I'm like all the romance, the small gestures. You bought me my favorite candy. You do love me. Like, yeah. But some people You know. got me Cheetos? I My mom came to visit and I got her Cheetos and it was like the biggest gesture Dude, for her. Yeah, it's small gestures. It means things to people. that I like Cheetos? Yeah. Because we live in such a world where people like, they get the things that they like and just, you know. Yeah. Oh, I have this if you like it or whatever. Like it's so easy to jump into whatever your romantic style is and expect the other individual to fit in with that too. And then if they're not, then it's like- What's happening? Like, what's wrong with our relationship? There's nothing wrong with your relationship. You're both different type of romantic. Yeah. I'm assuming you pronounce it philia. Philia? Probably. Yeah. Maybe we should just say, like, disclaimer. We don't know how to pronounce these words. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I know nothing. That's why I make a research board for you guys. (laughs) Well, I felt like the pragma one was kind of one that this it's what I found was really interesting was it said instead of falling in love you are standing in love it's basically someone that you've kind of you're putting in equal effort with each other and you've you're putting in the work that's required to be with them and Mm -hmm. dedicated to that person you're choosing that person but there is some sort of like subconscious thing that draws you to each other Mm -hmm. but then you continue to work on it and reciprocate with each other and you yeah. stand with that person you're not like you're not like being seduced or like falling not involuntary yeah 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 I like that a lot so these are would be relationships that are just very like mutual and how you guys care for each other not saying you do the same exact things for each other but you're just kind of like you understand how the other person works and so you subconsciously do things to help them like grow in it yeah, I feel like you're just kind of continuing. Like, so I actually went on this date with this guy that, it you know, never went anywhere. I think we went on like two dates or something. Mm-hmm. But the first date, we had this conversation where we were like talking about how, you know, each person should be like their own individual. Mm-hmm. Instead of half of a person seeking out half of a person, you're a full person looking for a full person. And so he was like, yeah, instead of like one plus one equals two, it's more like one plus one equals 11. Like we're not like combining with each other to like create something. We're like standing next to each each other. other. Yeah. 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 I thought that was really like nice because it's like it kind of gives off this thing like we don't I don't need something from you. Like yeah. I'm choosing to Well, and it's like the moment we get into the phase where we need things from the other person and then then we're expecting things from the other person, like you just start to take the relationship downhill from there. You know, you're just continuously depleting the other person. Yeah. And that's what it was talking about with one of the styles here, the mania. Mm-hmm. It's like a code obsessive love, it says, mm-hmm. kind of a codependent love. So it leads to unwanted jealousy or possessiveness known as codependency. Mm-hmm. Most cases of obsessive love are found in couples with an imbalance of love towards each other. So I guess maybe like one person has stronger feelings than another person. Yeah. So they're kind of always trying to like... Or even like a lot of relationship situations, like some people aren't allowed to go anywhere or they can't like have their own life at all. They always have to check in or like... But it's because that person who's the the quote unquote dominant one 
actually really need something from their partner. And that's mm-hmm. why they're trying to have this constant control over Operating them. Operating in mania, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to lose them. And then they're going to lose whatever it is they think that they have with that person, whether it's mm-hmm. control or... But it's like at that state, killed. you're almost choosing... Like you're choosing chaos over communication. You're choosing to like keep all of the misunderstandings over actually communicating anything. I don't know, because I feel like in some of these mania relationships where people are, like, truly can't go anywhere and stuff like that, like, the conversations can't really be happening. It's just so, everything's so, like, aggressive. I mean, you also can't have a conversation with someone who doesn't have any self-awareness. You like Like, if they don't notice that they're doing it. If they don't even know that they're doing it or why they're doing it, Mm -hmm. like, they can't communicate with you. They're, like, and I think it even said something in here about survival Oh, I was going to say, is it almost like a state of panic almost? Yeah, it says survival instinct drives a person desperately need their partner in order to find a sense of Mm self-value. So it's like, I think that mania, the obsessive partner, even one who's like an abuser, Mm -hmm. it comes from this survival instinct. It's such a primal thing that they're not even like, they don't have a conscious like motive. They're just kind of working on their primal instinct. Yeah. Of like, I need to... I need something. Mm-hmm. And not even okay. realizing like the ripple effects of what it's causing and everything. And the victim feels the same thing too. But that's mm-hmm. why they can't leave because they're like, well, I need it too in some weird way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're like caught in a loop after that. Okay. So then philia, that one's more of a close friendship type of relationship than not. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a deep love and a true friendship. So this one says love without romantic attraction and occurs between friends and family members. So this one's like where you have deep conversations with your friends, everything's open and trustworthy. So like those connections where you really don't have to worry about lying about anything because you know that they're just going to, you know, appreciate you and communicate with you. I think the other one that I we found that we thought was really cool was the Falaushia. Maybe that's why you were thinking the Philia. Oh, yeah, I think that was. Having a healthy and self-compassionate love towards oneself. So this one, your love catalyst is your soul. So yeah, like inner love. Well, so if you think about like, like romance, true romance, how do you think like self-love plays into the idea of romance? I think it plays into like, so if you don't have much self-love, then you're going to fall more into the codependent where you're needing, you know, I feel like if you're someone who operates on a higher level of self-love, I feel like sometimes it might come off as like having higher standards when it comes to who you're picking for your partners because you're recognizing those things right off. Maybe even actually being able to fully submit yourself to that romantic, that romantic moment. If you have full self-love. Fully being, you're being fully present with that person for who they really are. Yeah. Instead of maybe like warping who they are to be what, who you need them to be. Yeah. And maybe also understanding too, that they're accepting you as you are. So then you're also able to drop all of those things too. But yeah, I mean, I think self-love is always one of the things that you have to have first. Because if you're if you're looking for that love in someone else, but you don't have it in yourself, life is going to keep bringing you people who are at the same level that you're at. Do you think that sometimes like hopeless romantics and codependents sometimes go together? People that are so, they want romance so bad. It's really like just a void that they're trying to fill within themselves. Yeah. Maybe the the aromantic person who doesn't really seek that out has kind of has already filled that void for themselves. Where they're like, you know, that's what I was wondering. Somebody else, mm-hmm, because the one guy who <laughs> was talking about being that way. So there was a few people who I saw. One person who I watched a video on, I I felt the opposite. I felt like she was masking 
and saying she wasn't romantic because she didn't want to tap into being vulnerable to someone. But then the guy who's talking about it, the way he presented it was more sure of himself, more like, no, like, I just like my space. Like, I could handle maybe someone living with me in a roommate situation where they're in a separate room, but I still like having my space. And I thought that was an extreme self-love statement, basically, because you're not allowing people to just come in and destroy things just because you love them. Like, you love keeping your area, you know, it's it's yours. It's what you've created for yourself, so... Yeah, I think that like, I think that you can have, can probably have a situation where you are romantic, but you also have extreme self-love. Like you're just mm-hmm. the type you're like, I'm okay sharing my space with this person mm-hmm. because I found somebody I would like to share my space with. Like it doesn't have, like, versus, being, being, being hopeless romantic or being aromantic. Like, I guess like maybe not hopeless romantic, but like a romantic mm-hmm. and then also being, having self-love. Maybe somewhere in the middle where you can say, I have all this. I don't need you, but like, I enjoy you. And I would yeah. like the 11 thing. Like I'm, I would like to share my space with you mm-hmm. because I enjoy you, but I don't need to. Yeah. Like if you want to go somewhere else, like that's okay too. This is still my space. I'm still comfortable Well, and I, I feel like that's where our goals should be with romance. I feel like we're in a spot where we're trying to grasp onto these things that we think that we need. But really what we need is the love for ourselves. And then we can figure out everything else along the way, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, like, going on dates, too. Because you kind of, I guess, learn, like, what's romantic to you. Because, like, there's certain people that, you know, they don't like extravagant things or... You know, like it's like over the top is like a cheesy gesture. Yeah, like I've dated guys that are like, I don't like going to fancy restaurants. Like, I'd rather just go to like an Applebee's or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I know, like, okay, I'm not really an Applebee's girl, but like, I don't. But you don't need to spend like two fifty on dinner either. Yeah, like, but we can still go to like a good place that's not fucking Applebee's. You know? Yeah. So I mean, it's just interesting, like, because to some people, like Applebee's might be romantic because they're like. We're just going out enjoying each other's company, like so the setting doesn't do matter. Whatever, yeah, yeah. And almost, I'd rather do something casual because I feel more comfortable in that setting. Mm-hmm. And so it be- can become romantic with our interaction with each other because I feel comfortable where I'm at. Versus someone else might be like, no, like the environment and like the aesthetic is like what's. So really then it's almost like romance is a state of mind rather than it is a thing or a place or a gesture. But I mean, I think it could be all of that, though. Yeah. But yeah, it's a state of mind because it's like what you're choosing to focus on. Like, Well, and it's also interesting too because like what if you think you're out at a really nice romantic dinner and he's actually just freaking out about the bill the whole time. So for him, it's not romantic at all. He's not present. But to you, you think it's romance because you're like, oh, the bottle of wine, the appetizer is like we're doing this coarse meal, blah, blah, blah. But there's like not actually any romance in the connection. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's like the guy that I met him at the Thai restaurant, and I like dressed up. I put on lipstick. First of all, fuck that guy. <laughs> I showed up at this restaurant, and then he showed up and said he wasn't hungry. And then if I wanted to eat, I could, but he wasn't hungry. And I'm like, we are not the same person. No, like we are not meant to be together. No, you know. And then he started telling me he doesn't eat dinner and he just drinks oat milk. I'm like, okay, no. Yeah, and it's like instead of taking that as something <laughs> personal, like towards you, no, it's not towards you at all. Like it's literally just this guy's style, how he is, how he is like 
you know, like, didn't he? Okay, I have to share this story just so we can show the ridiculousness of this dude. This was complaining the whole time that the hike was really hard for her. And he was like, basically telling me the story, like he was mocking her, like she couldn't handle the hike. And I was like, well, how long was the hike? Like, was it, you know, he's like, oh, it was like 10 miles. I'm like, I mean, that's a decent hike. Like, yeah, not everybody just go. He was like, it was just, it was just a casual Saturday hike. People don't just go hike 10 miles, like on a whim. Yeah. I mean, more people do in the Pacific Northwest. Than in other well, and places, I feel but... like I don't know that this was the situation, but based off the things that you told me about that guy, I almost feel like she like because he doesn't eat very often. Like I almost feel like she tried to cater to his lifestyle and like fit in that bubble of like, okay, well, if you don't eat often, I'm not going to eat often. And then she like couldn't fucking handle the hike. <laughs> yeah, and you know it's funny because his mindset was very much like, oh, I'm not meal oriented. You know. Like he was coming, he was thinking that he's coming at it from like a healthy perspective. Like, yeah, I don't have to use food as a social crutch. I don't have to be meal oriented all the time. But in reality, he was obsessed with his weight. He was obsessed with the way he looked and he was obsessed with not eating. Yeah. In reality, he's actually like demonizing food and Uh like kind of like being like food is the enemy. Food makes me fat. And it's like, that's just as unhealthy as somebody who's like overeating. Cause you're still having this really negative relationship with your body image and mm-hmm. yourself and with food. Yeah. And then every time you eat, you're going to be having that like subconscious guilt that you have too. Also what annoyed me about him though, is the first time that you guys had hung out as he talked about food with you. Yeah. And then the second date didn't talk about food. We it was talked, like, I don't actually eat. The entire first date we talked about different types of food. And he was even like, oh my God, I've never talked about food so much. Like, this is so great that you like the same foods as me. Like, this is so fun. And then we even planned the next day to go eat like tacos. What was the name for that one? Because isn't there a name for that one too, where you just like completely remove yourself from who you are and try and be what that person is and what they like, which like, I don't think he was doing that. But at the same time, like it's a degree of doing that because it's the first date that he's doing that. Yeah. And then to completely 180 on the second date. Yeah, like, I think maybe he thought he could, like, ease me into his personality. And then the second day, he's like, all right, there's no easing. This is who I am. And I'm like, all right, goodbye. You're well, weirdo. Yeah, yeah. And you're someone who comes off as, like, you are genuinely who you are, too. Like, you're not going to give people a bunch of bullshit the first date just because. I mean, I might, like, uh, I might, like, sometimes pretend, like, I'm okay with certain things. Like, if, if the guy's talking about sports a lot, I'm not going to be like, I fucking hate sports or yeah. whatever, you know. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I kind of like football. What's that? That's great. (laughs) Oh, the chameleon relationship. So this one says in this relationship, one or both of you change yourself to appeal to the other. And then usually what happens in this one is it says you sacrifice your interests. You sacrifice things that, you know, you sacrifice friendships. You You sacrifice friendships. Yeah. Sacrifice friendships and connections. Like have you, I mean, you've had that before where you're like with friends and they get a boyfriend and then all of a sudden they're different people. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. I had one roommate in college who she would always do that like she dated this guy who was um a quote-unquote anarchist Mm -hmm. so then she became an anarchist oh no except we could always catch her in it right because she actually literally said well anarchy doesn't mean no government and we're like it literally means no government you like come on and then she dated like this guy who loved bikes so then she loved bikes and it was like everything she would just always change yeah. who she was to, like, 
fit with that person. That's annoying. And she just always seemed so in like disgenuine. Like mm-hmm. we liked her less and less the more we knew her because we're like, we don't even really know who you really are. Or like, why are you so afraid to show who you really are? Well, but the sad thing is that she might not even know who she is. Like it might be at a point where she's just using them to find herself. Yeah. Because I mean, when I was younger, that's how I would have relationships. I was constantly in a relationship. And when I wasn't in a relationship, I was getting into a relationship. And so it's like, maybe I didn't necessarily change everything about myself to fit them, but it's still using another individual as a crutch for like, well, so not she, being responsible for who you are. She worked at, it's getting kind of specific. So I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast, but she worked at the giant stadium, like the SF giant stadium mm-hmm. in a store selling merchandise right Mm -hmm. when we would go to parties she would tell the guys that she would be flirting with that she worked for the giants oh no we're like you don't work for the giants you work in the giant stadium selling giant shirts you might as well work at a hot dog stand like like that's not the same thing oh no like i worked at weirdly enough a chinese restaurant in the airport That'd be like me saying I work for the airport or like I work for like the airline or something, you know? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> no, you sell Chinese food in the airports. You're not that cool. Calm down. It's like me selling wine at the restaurant. I work for Mark Ryan. <laughs> and it's like. Nah, you don't, bitch. <laughs> it's kind of like this movie, actually. Swingers is because John Favreau's character, he's always trying to like, when he's flirting with girls, he's always trying to like up himself like yeah and they're like oh what do you do for a living he's like oh i'm a comedian like i do this and this and this i have this nice car and these nice things but then he finds this girl where he's like he realizes he can just be himself even Mm -hmm. if it's not this ideal that he thinks that she wants him to be and that's how they actually click and they bond with each other over that because he's like yeah that's my piece of shit car over there I'm a comedian. Dude, people, like, like, I, any relationships I've ever been in, it's the most genuine ones where I'm like, I don't, I don't care about all the extra stuff. I actually, I can tell when people are, are gloating or like have all of the extra bits where I'm like, you are so full of shit right now. Um, Jack Johnson has a lyric. It's like, you, you try so hard to be appealing that you lose all your appeal. You know, I feel like sometimes though that I have the, I sometimes have the opposite effect where I'm just like too emotionally honest with people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Like, I've been there too. This yeah, it's like overwhelming, or you know, this is unappealing because now you're just being too vulnerable or something. And they or maybe it's just it. too vulnerable too soon. Do you think? Maybe like emotionally slutty or something. No, no, just like because a lot of people, especially here, aren't used to conversations, and so like you know, when you're actually talking about how you're feeling, then people are like, well, like I wonder if that guy that I went on the date with, the food guy, oat mm-hmm. milk. Like, <laughs> if if he would have said to me, like, yeah, I love food, but, like, I kind of, like, I try to watch my weight and, like, I kind of have a weird... Like, if he was more honest about that... You wouldn't have gone on a second date with him. Or, but may, or maybe, like, what I'm saying is, like, if he was more vulnerable to the point where he's like, yeah, I love food, but I kind of have this weird thing where, like, I feel self-conscious and so I try to, like, work out and mm-hmm. do these things. Then he's coming at it from, like, an innocent, like, vulnerable position. And maybe then I could be like, oh... I see how you are. Like, this is how I am. Yeah. Instead of just being like, no, this is how I am. And if you're not like that. Well, then, and then the next time you guys connected, you would have been like, hey, do you want to go eat? Like, it would have been like, cool, let's go do something yeah. else, you know? Let's go for a hike or whatever. Well, no, because I don't want to be made fun of the entire time. But, <laughs> you know, whatever, something. 
you want to go drink just oat milk? Sucks. I don't know. That guy just sucks. Yeah, if you want to drink oat milk together, let me know. Because <laughs> I really want to try that very soon. So into it. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is like really random side thought. But like, even like with your pets, like talking about like romance, mm-hmm. like how, you know, you can have pets that you bond with more than mm-hmm. other pets. Because, like, maybe you have the same kind of love language or same kind of feeling of, like, what it means to be a companion. Yeah. Or be with each other. So, like, my cat is, like, a very cuddly cat. And, like, I'm a very cuddly person. She's very affectionate. I'm very affectionate. So, like, we work with each other. But, like, some people don't want pets like that because they find them too needy or, like, annoying. Mm-hmm. So, they want, like, a pet that's more, like, independent like, or maybe doesn't really want a lot of affection or kind of just wants to, like, sit next to you and not, like, and not on be touched. You. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny because Odie's that way and Pat used to get so mad because I would, like the first year of us having him, I would always call him love of my life because he would always just come up and just put his head on my shoulder and just like stay there or he'd come up, he does this thing where he takes his forehead and puts it on your forehead and he just like comes up to you and then if you start petting him, but like you pet him like a little bit vigorously, then he'll put his arm around your side to like stabilize himself and he just stays there. (laughs) It's like, okay, hold on. Yeah, All I'm right. like, Odie, you were like the most romantic dog I have ever met. Okay, and then Ludus is playful love. So flirting, beginning stages of intimate love. Oh, yeah, I think what we were saying was like Ludus was like the emotion behind it, behind the beginning of the relationship. And yeah. the other one was the physical aspect of it. All of the teasing and stuff. I think he was saying something too about like really successful relationships will will carry that into their relationship. They'll kind of mm-hmm. reach that like other phase. I think there was the pragma or whatever we were talking about where mm-hmm. you're like devoted to each other. You stand with that person, but you still have that kind of like playful banter to kind of fall back on. I think playful banter is something a lot of people let drop like just a few months into the relationship, you know, because it's like you start to get into fights and stuff and you start to nitpick at each other and you forget that. Like, if you were friends picking at each other, you're going to come back with something funny. You know, you're going to come back with something that's, like, defending yourself but not being mean. Yeah. And then I feel like sometimes in relationships, we get away from that because we're, like, in a partnership. And so instead, we treat each other like, oh, how could you be so mean? And, like, say that. You're such an asshole. But, like, if your friend was talking to you that way, you'd be playful back. Yeah. You would be enjoying the conversation back and not taking it to the heart, you know? Well, I also feel like sometimes that people they're meanest to the people that are like the closest to them. Like Mm -hmm. they feel like they can unload all of those things onto that person. And it's like, it's almost a compliment in a really fucked up way. Like, okay. I know they feel like safe and comfortable, comfortable with me to just completely unload shit on me. Yeah. But the, on the other hand, it's like, I'm the one of the few people that's like, I, we have like an unconditional love kind of thing going on and yeah. you're just shitting on me. Yeah. Know? Like, don't mind me just getting beat up over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just I appreciate sit it. down until you're done. <laughs> no, I totally agree. That's, it's exactly how it happens. Like it happens with Pat and I all the time too. And I'm like, why? Like, why? Like you wouldn't be this rude to anyone else saying this shit to you, but it's like, it's okay that I'm saying it or it's not okay that I'm saying it whatever I think it's also like not the people who are closest to you it's like your reflection of yourself so you can't hide from that person you know you can hide from the rest of the world you can't hide from that person yeah and so it makes you more accountable to all of it too as long as they're like communicating with you too and not just I always thought like taking it be a cool concept to like have use have words that you use with someone like if you're reaching a point like let's say you're someone that detaches a lot 
And so if you know that you're reaching that point, you can kind of use that code word like, I don't know, it could be anything like lasagna or something. Yeah. If you know, like, you're about to go into that, you'd be like, lasagna. And then the other person knows, like, oh, shit, that's what they're doing. You know? <laughs> they're being lasagna right little, now. You know? light switch. <laughs> and then you don't take it as personally because you're not like, okay, you're not, they're not doing this to me. They're yeah. doing this. And that's, they're giving me the warning of, like, this is what's happening because of their Well, own and it's, shit. like, part of respecting boundaries, too. You know, if someone tells you fucking lasagna and you don't listen, <laughs> then. <laughs> like, yeah, I told, I told one of my friends. You know, because she said sometimes she goes through these phases where she feels sad or depressed mm-hmm. and, like, she detaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so a lot of people, when they go through those phases, they, like, they want into their phones. They don't respond. Yeah. And they lose a lot of relationships that way. Mm-hmm. And then when they do come out of their funk, then they're like, hey, is anybody still there? You know, and there's a couple people that are like, yeah, I guess I'm still here. Yeah. But then there's a lot of people that are like, no, fuck you. You know, and so it, it's, it, I feel like it'd be cooler if... If they're not, if they're really at that point where they're like, I can't communicate. Yeah. Just throw a fucking lasagna out there. You know? Yeah. Be like, hey, lasagna. One word. Like, group text. Yep. <laughs> like, okay, that's where she's at. Like, she'll come back, you know. And that's like part of showing mutual love for your friendships too. Like, you know, you don't have to, it, it's okay to have to be in like a dark space for a little bit. But if you don't, if you just shut everyone out and you don't tell anyone anything, they're naturally going to assume it's something that they did or something that they said. Or just that you're going to consistently be a person who is this way. Or they'll assume that you're flaky or something like that. Yeah. You know, which sucks. Because when you come out of it, you are going to want people to be around you. And to be honest, I feel like the more open you are about communicating, the more people you have around you who understand when you go into those fits. It won't be as hard because you won't have to isolate yourself so much because everyone understands. Like, you know. And then it's it's no longer an announcement of like, okay, I'm feeling this way. I need to like cut everyone off or whatever yeah it might even kind of eventually over time like you're saying kind of fix the problem because yeah oh now I no longer feel the need to detach because this person just kind of understands where where I'm at and then now I feel safe and comfortable around them being whatever in whatever mood it is I want to be in like Mm -hmm. I no longer have to pretend to be in one mood Mm -hmm. like I remember in high school I was hanging out with my friend one day and we were like you know, driving around, like singing along to music and stuff. And we got to my school to do like some rehearsal or something for a play. And I said something, I was just, now that I'm thinking back, like, it's weird that I said this, but I was like, oh, now I have to think about how I'm going to be or something. Like basically like I had to decide what mask I was going to put on to walk in with these people. She was like, why don't you just be how you are now? Yeah. And I just, I couldn't even comprehend that. Like I, I was like, almost like I had to choose how I was going to present myself to these people. Yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, I'm just going to be how I am now. And like, if they don't accept it, just they don't get it. it, then it is what it is. And that, yeah, that's so weird that we, that we grow up that way. I, I mean, I was kind of the opposite. Like I kind of had, I kind of had so many people worried about me that I was able to just be myself. Cause everyone was just always kind of like, are you okay? <laughs> You're like, you okay? no, I'm not. I'm like, what the fuck is everyone else okay? <laughs> yeah, are you okay? Are you okay? Because I don't know that you are. <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> oh, did you, would, when when you looked up this word, did you get anything off of it? Um, Isn't it like basically not wanting to be married or whatever? I think it was like refusing to accept kind of the social norm. Yeah. Basically. So I wish I could pronounce it. 
Ematonormativity. Ematonormativity. Ematonorm. Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, ematonormativity. Jesus. Is a cap capture societal assumptions about romance. Blake, who's the person who coined the term, wanted a word to describe the pressure she received by many to prioritize marriage in her life, in her own life, when she did not want to. I feel like people have the same experience with having kids. Yes. It's like the women that I know that don't want to have kids, there's like all this societal pressure, like, and people are just constantly like, but why don't you want to have kids? Like, you don't want, like, children? Yeah. And they're just constantly defending, like, no, I don't want that. Well, it's like, and and I think the way that I understood this word was that it's like almost not understanding, just grasping to it because that's what everyone says that you have to do, you know? Like, romance isn't the same for everyone. It's not the fucking same. Not everyone wants to have, well, I mean, obviously not everyone wants to have women in male marriages, but like no one wants to have, not everyone wants to have like picket fence, backyard, all of that shit being settled down. Some people want to travel forever and never have kids. Like there's so many different options for people. Some people are so in love with their business and their work career that they are fulfilled by doing that. Yeah. You know, a family life isn't fulfilling to them. It actually kind of reminds me of Sex in the City. And I think that that's why I actually think that this show was really important for the time that it came out for women empowerment in a way is because mm-hmm. each character in that show of the, was it four women? One, two, three. Yeah. Four women. They each have different personalities and they each have different ideas about what romance or love or sex is to them. Mm-hmm. So like Charlotte is the hopeless romantic. She wants that picket fence. She wants like that you know, trophy husband and she wants the two kids and she wants everything like perfect. Mm -hmm. And she's devoted to that. And that's okay. Like that's what she wants, you know? And she's just like, no, I'm going to find my person. But she, then she ends up finding someone who actually doesn't fit that standard, but Mm -hmm. he does in a weird way. It's like not what she expected, but it fits. And then Samantha is like, she's the more sexually driven person. But she doesn't really understand romance. Like, she doesn't really care about relationships. Like, there's a couple people that she finds where she really does feel that love. But in general, she's okay being alone. She prioritizes her career. She prioritizes her friends. And even when she does get into a relationship... And alone does not mean lonely. I think so many people get that confused. Like, just because you're alone, it doesn't mean that you're lonely. Even when she does get that relationship, she ends inevitably ends up leaving it. And prioritizes her own well-being over the relationship. Yeah. Yep. And then there's Carrie, who's like... So she's like the epitome of aromantic then? Um, kind of. But I mean, she experiences romance. She just doesn't prioritize it. Well, but that's what they were saying. That's the point of aromantic, is that you you can experience it. You do get those feelings. You just don't understand putting that above everything else. Yeah, and then Carrie is kind of like, I guess, I guess the modern romance person. Like, she's looking for, like... Her, her Mr. Big is, like, the man that she chases for fucking 10 years. And then finally, the emotionally unavailable man is like, I'll be with you, you know? And yeah. she's just like, oh, thank God. Woo. Like, each one of them has, like, their own style. And it just works for them. And it's yeah. okay. And it is what it is. Like, they all experience love and, like, sex differently. I think that's how it fits in life, too. Like, all of us have these expectations of love and how romance and love is going to be. And 
And it's just like you said with her, it's like, it's not, once you do get what is what you weren't expecting, it's completely what you weren't expecting. You know, it's like, you're going to get <laughs> what you get based off what you're putting out there and it will come back to you. But well, it was interesting. Cause yeah, the hopeless romantic, she actually found, she found the romance that she was looking for, but it was with a man that she found really un- physically unattractive. Oh, that's so funny. at first she was like, ew, he repulses me. Like I mm-hmm. can't, like he's not my trophy husband. But then she clicked with him. Yeah. And then she actually found that romance that she was looking for in this person that Mm -hmm. she thought didn't fit this mold that she had set for herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Because, I mean, anytime I've ever had molds or ideas or what I thought it should be, it's completely not that at all. And Carrie was kind of... not a slap in the face. Carrie's was kind of the opposite. Like, she never gave up on her... Like, she always went with her feelings. Like, mm-hmm. no, I'm in love with this man. I don't care that he's being wishy-washy. I don't care that he's this. Like, I'm She's going like, with wait, my feelings. like, oh, wait, that's mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, it's kind of unrealistic that, you know, 10 years down the road, he's like, okay, like, I can do this. Is it, though? Because, I mean, you know, it's like know. some people do feel those crazy ties. And I feel like if your soul is like that... It's, it's almost like that's where you need to sit there and decide, like, am I being obsessive? To the point where it's like bad to my health or is there truly something there that I know my soul will never be able to let go of? Yeah. You know? And so you got to kind of see. Well, I guess like she had relationships in between too. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like she was just sitting there being like, what? Waiting the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's one of the best situations to be in when you know who you want, but you're still able to do whatever you want until they're emotionally available for you. Yeah. Rather than ruining your guys' relationship. I mean, Samantha, she's, like, known as the slutty one. The one we say was would be aromantic in the movies. She, when she breaks up with her boyfriend, she says, like, I thought it was really, like, really awesome line. She's like, I love you, but I love me more. Mm-hmm. And she leaves him. And it's like, that was really the first person that she had actually had, like, a real connection with. And she mm-hmm. still chose to leave that person to better herself. Like, Hey, yeah. I've gained weight. I'm unhappy. I'm depressed. Yeah. I'm sitting around waiting for a man. I don't wait for men, you know, like yeah. this is not who I am. I'm going to choose myself. Yeah. And how many of us do that? Like how many of us don't even ever discover who we are at all? Because society's told us since we've like, that's been my life ever since I was young. I found, I found <laughs> my mom saved so much shit from school. And I found this pamphlet we were supposed to make. We were supposed to basically make like a advertisement from reading book of Narnia or something. And so I made a love potion. And so you can tell like at this is probably fifth grade that I'm just obsessed with boys. You can just tell from what I write in there, like something about being love obsessed, something like made with love, like just so many things, something about being obsessed with boys. I even wrote in there and like, I don't know, society just like makes you feel like you just need to like find your person. But me growing up, I always had a boyfriend there always. And it's like, it's never done me any good. I've never like grown any more because of having them there it's actually been like more of a hindrance like now looking back I wish I would have been told to find self-love first yeah before looking through that for any of that through them because now it's like I'm at a point where I'm like finally getting to a point where I discovered my self-love but it's like having to fix all of that damage from all of that like imagine if none of that was even there yeah well I think that there's this drive that people feel they need to have the same exact personality with the person that they're with. 
So like, especially, I don't know if it's maybe especially in Seattle, but I feel like it's especially <laughs> in Seattle. It's like, it's almost like a competition as to who does it better. Oh, you know, like the guys I talk, like if I do online dating, okay. Like even down to the most basic things, like there was one guy that he put that he likes Asian food. I'm like, I like Asian food, right? We're bonding on like food. Like, do you like rice? I like rice, you know? <laughs> and so do you use the soy sauce? I use the soy sauce. <laughs> Great. Good relationship. <laughs> So I asked him, I'm like, oh, I was like, you like, I love Asian food. Like, that's great. You know, we can eat Asian food together. And he's like, well, what's like your favorite kind of Asian food? And I'm like, I like fried rice a lot. Like, what about you? And then he starts naming out off all these like super authentic dishes. Like when he traveled to these like super like specific locations and just like, damn, like I can't even bond with someone over food without <laughs> without it being all the extremities yeah or like there was a guy who was like he said he likes comedy and I'm like I like comedy like that's cool and he's like oh yeah well, like what comedians do you like and I'm like oh, I like like you know Dave Chappelle I like Tom Segura like what about you and I could tell I could feel the judgment he's like yeah and he like named off all these like he's like I like George Carlin like all these like super classic comedians and I could just I'm like why do we have to oh my why do we have to like the same comedians like why do we have to be the same person well and why is it this weird like under like passive aggressive tone that you can feel yeah like <laughs> but i just feel like guys they want a girl who's exactly like them like oh i like football i want my girl to like football i like pizza i want my girl to like pizza you know, I like yeah. going and watching the game. I want her to like that or whatever it is. Like, I like chess. Like, I want her to like chess. And mm-hmm. it's like, then girls or women feel this pressure to be the cool girl. Yeah. Or to feel like, oh, I can hang with the guys. I can be whatever it is that he wants me to be. Instead of instead of owning her own effeminate energy and being like, oh, you want to watch the game? I want to go record my podcast or I want to yeah. go read a book or, Hey, let's reconvene later. Like maybe I'll sit in and watch like a little bit with you mm-hmm. and then I'll go read my book again. Like whatever. Or maybe she does want to watch the game, but like, you know, it could, it, you don't have to be the same exact person. as. Yeah. Like. No, there's so much beauty in having your interdependence in a relationship. And I feel like a lot of times people get so caught up in what you're saying, wanting everything to be, this and then you're creating a codependent relationship or maybe you guys were codependent before you got into the relationship now it's a double codependent relationship it's like you it's not going to last it's going to be detrimental isn't that kind of codependent for you to want someone to be identical to you like i want to hang you want to hang out with yourself if you want to hang out with someone identical to you hang out with yourself yeah because you are identical to you you are you yeah otherwise you can date and date someone who's different than you well and like don't you want to get different experiences don't you want to like learn different things like I hate dating people who like don't communicate much because I'm like I want to learn what the fuck is going on in your brain like I'm not dating you just for your penis like (laughs) you know there's a mind in there you know I want to know about it and I feel like a lot of times people don't even aren't even curious about a lot of those things why is romance dead why is romance dead do you think it's dead I think that, well, when was the last romantic relationship you've been in? Like, what was something that was like the last, maybe last romantic experience that you've had? Last romantic experience. I mean, 
there were different days where we did different things and it was interesting because I asked him like oh what was your favorite day to mm-hmm. kind of gauge kind of figure out like what did he find romantic mm-hmm. because by asking it like what did you enjoy like what was your favorite day I can kind of figure out like what he thinks is romance yeah what I think is romance my favorite day was like when we went out and then we went out somewhere else and then we like watched a movie together and we got food like we were doing activities yeah and his favorite was like we just did a museum and then we cooked together and we just like talked mm-hmm. so it was like there was a lot of similarities there, yeah. but there was also like oh i he was like no i kind of liked the more chill day where he likes the home body him. where you like more yeah. social and i was like oh i kind of liked it when there was more people but there was also just me and you and we kind of incorporated different things you know yeah yeah but i mean i think that's the thing is though is understanding that romance could, can be anything it can it be is, just yeah. like cooking at home and like playing jenga or it can be yeah. a long conversation that was something you guys needed to talk about like that can be romantic you know there was one guy that i dated and we like to do a lot of similar things we like to watch tv we liked to play cards we liked to drink we liked to go to like parks or bars but I noticed that we didn't always do them the same way. So Mm -hmm. like we went to the park together, but then when we got there, he didn't want to sit on the grass because he said that was weird. (laughs) And my idea, I was like, we're going to go to the park. We're going to sit on the grass. Maybe I'll read a book. It would be great. You know, he wanted to sit on this bench and stare for like 15 minutes. And and people watch or just stare? No, we stared at like the water. (laughs) For like 15 minutes and then we just left i was like okay so we want to do the same things but we don't experience them the same ways yeah that's a good word for it is experiencing it differently so even though like in my head it could have been this really romantic thing it turned into like well and maybe in his not. head that was romantic yeah because he showed me like a spot where like his friends used to go so him is just like park bench sitting is like a yeah, nostalgic like, kind of thing this is where me and the buddies used to go like let's go to this bench and i'm like we're gonna go to a bench <laughs> and we're this, gonna sit and stare like isolated area of the park like what is no he's like did you see the gray hair and you're like cool yeah and then there was another time we decided to go to another park and we got <laughs> sandwiches uh-huh. And I brought my card. So we were in my head. I'm like, we're going to go to the park. We're going to eat our sandwiches. We'll play cards. It'll be great. Right. We got there and I got out of the car and he goes, oh, we're getting out of the car. We got beers too. So we were going to go to the park and drink beers and in the car. And he thought we were going to sit in the car at the park, at the park. (laughs) Like, why do I want to sit in the car? It was like a nice sunny day. What? Oh my God. But that is romantic to him. Like, nah, this is what we used to do back in the this day. This is what happens when you have California girls in Puget Northwest. We're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, no, it's nice outside. Let's go sit on the grass and drink our beers. The grass makes me like itchy. Normal people. <laughs> and he's like, no, let's sit in the car and be hood rats or something. Like, I don't even know. Don't oh even my know. god, that is too funny. I mean. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I guess everything is circumstance because I've definitely had like romantic moments of just sitting in the car staring at water, but that definitely wasn't like a let's go to the park. Just kidding, let's sit in the car. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is like the time when I went to the restaurant to eat dinner and then he didn't want to eat dinner. It felt like that, like 
yeah. we clearly have different ideas about what we're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I came to a restaurant to eat. I don't know what you came to a restaurant for. I mean, <laughs> it's either eating or drinking, one of the two, otherwise fucking get your ass home. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't even drink anything. He just drank water. No. Yeah. No. But, I mean, okay, so back to the question. I don't think romance is dead, but I feel like, I do actually feel like, um, in a positive way, I think that a, a more variance of romance is accepted right now. Yeah. Um, but for a negative, I think that although, like, feminism is really important, I think that because that envelope is pushed so hard that sometimes men feel like they can't they can't be, they can't like exercise their masculine energy without offending the woman. Mm -hmm. So they feel like they can't be romantic the way that they would like to be. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if I hold the door for her, is she going to, is she going to be offended by this? If I offer to pay for dinner, is she going to be offended by that? Yeah. You know, like they feel like they can't. We've made such like a interesting time right now of just everyone walking on eggshells and not knowing how to behave just being cautionary to not offend someone. Well, it's interesting because, like, I notice myself doing these kind of tests with men, too, that are unfair tests, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there was one day I went on where the guy offered to pay, like, the bill came, and then I offered to split it. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually want to split the bill. I just didn't want to be rude. Yeah. So I want him to be like, no, no, no. I got it, right? Mm-hmm. But then I offered to split it. And then he doesn't want to offend me. So he's like, okay, sure. And then in my head, I'm offended. Because you're like, shit, I wanted like, you to say no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I wanted you to be the man or whatever and be like, no, 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 I got it. And uh, it's like, how is that fair for me to expect him to like read my mind? It's not. And understand what it is that I want on the first date. Yeah, no. I should have just been like, okay, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate your offer of paying for the bill. Yeah. <laughs> or if I want to split it, then offer to split it. Instead of this, like, convoluted message. Oh, all these backward games. I feel like I grew up seeing so many of the backward games that I'm just like, I don't want to play. Like, it's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. Well, and then he offered to walk me to my car. And I felt weird by that for Mm -hmm. some reason. So I was like, no, I can walk myself. And I could tell on his face that he was offended by that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I'm trying to do a gesture. And well, and his car. and in his mind, he was probably also defeated first by the by the bill, and then, then second yeah. by that. He's like, okay, she doesn't like me. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, really, you're on the other end of like, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a weirdo. Okay? <laughs> I'm just testing boundaries because I'm supposed to. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. I don't know. <laughs> first date jitters. What is this? Dude, life is fucking strange. Yeah, my therapist told me that I should go on, I think she said go on three dates. Don't judge them until you go on three dates. Unless it's like really bad. Oh, yeah. What I do is, because I, I was a very judgmental person. So now instead of jumping on judging someone, I'll instead wait to see if I recognize a pattern in them. And then if I've started to see that it repeats or if it repeats in different ways, but it's basically the same thing, then I'm like, okay, now I can judge you. Yeah. I mean, I think some people you don't need that third date, like the milk guy. Yeah, no. No. This is not going to work at all. Anyone who who would be meeting for food who says, I'm not eating, 
I'll just have water. I'd be like, get, get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Go. <laughs> it was definitely the uh, I don't eat dinner line for me. No. That got me. I'm like, well, I enjoyed dinner personally. So. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think our relationship is going to work. Because then if I'm like, hey, babe, what do you want for dinner? Oh, right. You don't eat dinner. Oat milk. Got it. Do you want it heated? <laughs> or do you want it with ice cubes? I'll or just straight out the, the fridge? <laughs> See you after work. Oh my god. Do you like the extra creamy? <laughs> okay, is there anything else you want to cover on that? Talk about the love languages? Yes. I like learning the love languages and thinking about that because then you it like goes back to what we're talking about, like not taking things personal and instead just understanding, like, okay, this is who you are as an individual. This is like your personality type. So I don't need to like take it on as like your doing anything to me or it's not a representation of what you think about me um do you know the love language is off the back of your hands i don't there's physical touch quality time acts of service gifts and i think there's a fifth one it's probably one that i don't have (laughs) so i don't remember words of affirmation yes Actually, I do enjoy words of affirmation. I think we all do just a little bit. I think the thing is, like, most people, like, you want all of them a little bit, at least, Mm -hmm. I would think, right? I was listening to, so Lovers does these conference calls sometimes that you can hop in on and they'll have, like, some really cool people talking about things. And they were talking about self-love and the love languages. And this woman was saying how you can... Like, you don't want to go into a relationship knowing what love language you're empty on. Because then what you're doing is, like, just needing from them. So then it goes back into, like, codependency and stuff like yeah. that. If you can recognize what love language you're depleted on, you need to be the one to fill that cup for yourself. Um, because then, you know, like you said, we all want a little bit of these things. So do a little bit of those things for yourself. That way you're not needing from anyone. You know, what's interesting is like, I've actually been trying to contemplate what my, what my language, love language is. Cause there's your love language that you do for others. And mm-hmm. then there's a love language that you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think those are necessarily the same thing. Mm-mm. So like what I do for other people is like, I like to give gifts mm-hmm. right like if but I you're not really expecting like the gifts back yeah but i don't really like i mean i like gifts but like that's not really how i interpret like love that's yeah. not something that's like oh damn this person really loves me yeah like for me it's like quality time i really enjoy and like i always go back and forth with the second one like i know quality time is very important to mm-hmm. me and if you don't spend quality time with me i feel very unloved Yeah. But the second one, I'm not sure because like words of affirmation, I feel very filled up with words of affirmation. Like if someone's like, oh, I really like you or like I noticed this cool thing about you. I really enjoy that. Yeah. But like I also like acts of service. Like if someone's like, hey, let me help you clean your house or let me help you move. Like I really think that's great, too. So it's really hard for me to figure out what that second one is. Well, and I I wonder, too, because like I. You know, there's certain relationships in your life where certain things will be a certain way. Like, I don't, you know. And I think, like, your love language with your friendships could be different than your love languages with your um, your partners. Absolutely. Yeah. My love language is meals together. <laughs> meals together. <laughs> yes. I get fucking angry. Like, I hate not having meals with someone else. I hate eating by myself. 
all of the love languages, like, it's why I can't remember them, because I'm like, you know, there's not any of them where I'm, like, super stuck on any of them, but I'm like, if we don't have meals together, are we even dating? Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> well, it's kind of like quality time, right? Yeah. Yeah, because, okay, I've, my other, my point that I was going to originally make also is I feel like maybe the ones that you're depleted on aren't even necessarily your, the love language that you ultimately need. Because mm-hmm. I think that sometimes like I'm depleted on words of affirmation. Like I lead, I need a lot of verbal reassurance, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's necessarily my ultimate love language. Right. I think that's just something that's depleted in me. And so but, I seek it so out. In order to counterbalance that. So like, that's what she was saying on the lover's call is if you find that you're seeking out something that's not necessarily what you need, fill that for yourself. So words of affirmation for yourself, having daily affirmations on your mirror in the bathroom. It can be one sentence. It could be a couple words. Yeah. Just those small little like things. Like you are beautiful. Exactly. Like you're exactly. loved or something like that. Yeah. You're glowing today. Like all of the, these little, little things, you repeat it every morning and then you're filling that for yourself. So then, you know, then you're not needing it anywhere else because yeah. you're recognizing that you do, that you are needed, that when people are giving you that, you're recognizing that you're like, cool, I am depleted in that area. But yeah, give it to yourself. I think that sometimes people can use love languages almost to like manipulate you too. Like, especially something like words of affirmation. I feel like men have used that with me a lot where mm-hmm. they'll you know, if they want to like have sex with you and they use words of affirmation, like you're so beautiful. Men will pretend they are not romantic. And the moment they fucking want some pussy, they men will be the most amazing like partner or whatever ever when they want to have sex. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I try to tell myself like, this is what it's going to be like before and after the sex, it's going to be different, but like, it feels so nice to have that person be such a fucking good person mm-hmm. that you're like, wow, this is amazing. He's so nice right now. And then you have sex and you're like, oh, wait. Um, okay. You're back was, Yeah. I think it's not even sometimes a conscious thing. I think it's just sometimes it's almost just a subconscious thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of an ego thing. You know, you just you're doing what you want to get what you want. And also like a lack of accountability. If no one's making you aware that you're doing that, then, you know the pattern can just keep repeating. I mean, it's not necessarily like it's a bad thing. Sometimes people don't realize that that's what they're doing at all. But I mean, yeah, I feel like the love languages kind of fit into like what kind of romance you enjoy. Cause if you really enjoy quality time, then like for me sitting on the couch watching some dumb movie is going to be like romance to me. Yeah. Because I just like quality time. Yeah. Versus someone else who's like, no, I really like acts of service. Like, if we're sitting on the couch and I'm not helping you do something, they're going to be like, this person doesn't fucking care about me. Yeah. This isn't romance. This is boring. Yeah. I feel like this like romance topic is like so broad. It really is. And it's, it's all based off each individual person's interpretation. But what I really loved is there was this one couple who was talking about, it all comes down to insight and awareness. So as long as you have those two key components, then you should be able to work out anything because if you're being aware, then you're being present, you know, and if you're faking your awareness, then you're not really being, being present. So as long as you have those two components then you should be able to like figure out where you guys are at, but just removing, removing being offended first and removing, trying to think it's something that you're doing when it comes to the relationship and instead just understanding like, no, this is their love style basically, you know, and if it doesn't fit with you, it doesn't fit with you. 
you know? Yeah. Or if it fits with you great, then it then it fits with you great. There was something that you were saying in there. You said, oh, I mean, you were talking about the awareness. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we were talking about earlier too, about abusive relationships. And like, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think abuse, abusive relationships and awareness don't go hand in hand. You know, I think abusive, abusive relationships come from a lack of awareness. Yeah. A lack of understanding of who you are as a person and how can you understand who that other person is? If you or avoiding awareness because are. a lot of times in those in those situations too, people will just put a blind eye to all of the abuse that's happening to them and just like... Well, and the abuser too. Mm-hmm. It's like if they're not fully aware, I think, of what's going on in their head. Otherwise, they would have no Oh, I see. Their aggression abuse. wouldn't come out. Yeah. I mean, those ones are tough situations too because sometimes it's like, it's like, does it come from your home? Does it come from, you know... Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Is it just who you are? Yeah. Like, yeah. Did you have a really freaky relationship before this one? Well, maybe that's there's that too. Same thing with romance too. Like maybe how we interpret romance also comes from our experiences of seeing romance. Like you know, no, that's true because some cultures, some cultures, the love is so almost like a possessive, aggressive type of visualization of love. Like if the woman tries to leave, it's possessive, aggressive. And so that could be where all of that comes from too. Just thinking that that's how you're supposed to love someone to keep them. And if that's your culture and how you're raised, then you would think that that's how you're supposed to do it all the time. But yeah. And I think that's how codependence, you know, that's how, I mean, I was actually taught by a therapist I thought this was a really nice way of putting it, that codependency, everyone learns how to love differently. Mm-hmm. And if you're codependent, you were taught that love means taking care of someone. Mm-hmm. Love means being a caretaker. Love means putting that person's needs before yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of, that's what you think that love is. Like, oh, this person's in need. Let me help them. Yeah. Let me just be there for that person. Let me just, you know. And then just yeah, forgetting like, where is the love for you coming in place? Yeah. And remembering that. That's the other thing too, is I think so many times we put ourselves on the back burner to make the relationship work. And that's the worst thing that you can do. Because as soon as you're putting yourself on the back burner in any way, you're making a relationship work that's not supposed to be working. Like you're, you're noticing those flags for a reason. But there also could be some sort of negotiation too, like... Yeah, but as long as you're not putting yourself on the back burner, you negotiating is you making sure that you're being heard and you're being seen. Yeah. You know, you, you're standing up for yourself. You know, you're not just being submissive and allowing everything to just Hey, like, keep. I still want this, but I know you also want this, so let's find middle ground. Instead of just being like, oh, I do want this, but, like, you want that, so we'll do that instead. Yeah, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to cause chaos, so I'm just going to go with what you say. And I'm not even going to have this conversation. It's just going to be all in my head, and we're just going to go with what you say. Like that guy that I went to the park with, like, we could have sat on the grass for five for ten minutes, and then we could have sat on his weird bench for ten minutes, and then yeah. we left. And stared. <laughs> All right, well, that's all we got on romance for you guys today. If you want to dig deeper on any of the topics that we talked about, everything is posted on the Pinterest board. Head over to our website, justpressforeplay.com. While you're there, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you leave us a five-star rating, I will send you some stickers. Just send me a screenshot on our Instagram. Instagram handle is underscore. Give us a follow on there. Find us on Facebook. Facebook hates us, so the more likes we get, the better. Also, don't forget to check out the Reddit tab. 
If you want to send me any anonymous questions, if you want to send me any stories for me to read, all of that can be found on the website. And last but not least, all of the hoodies and sweatpants, blankets, I now have a couple towels in the store, phone cases, all the fun stuff. So again, justpress4play.com. If you go over to the top right, that's where you'll see all of the fun tabs for all of the extra links and for the merch store. Okay, so without further ado, I owe you all an erotica story. This one is a part two of the Rob story that we heard last week. There are four total. I'm not going to read all four of them because I have a really, really funny one that I want to read next week. Um, so I picked my favorite, and so that will be up next. Rob came back from his business trip, so I wanted to have him over. My own work travel was going to be coming up, so I wanted to seize the day. I cooked him dinner, the first time I've ever made food for him. It was good to empty my fridge and also show him that I can cook. We chatted at the table for a while. I got up to rinse dishes. He got up with me. I couldn't get over how handsome he was. His smile melted me. His broad shoulders and muscular arms filled his shirt and needed to touch him. I came over for a hug. So happy that he's back in town. And that quickly turned into making out in my kitchen. His hands all over my body. Yes, grab my ass. I'm wearing a short, form-fitting, jersey-knit dress. His hands grope under the hem of my dress, bare cheeks. He wasn't expecting that. And it makes him give a short moan. He's pulling me into him, and I'm grinding myself into the bulge from the front of his shorts. I can't take it anymore. I need to be naked with him. And I lead him to the bedroom. Once we've cleared the door, he keeps me facing away from him, kissing down my neck to my shoulder with his hands wrapped around my waist. He continues kissing the other side, this time with his hands lifting my dress up to my waist revealing the lacy black thong I'd chosen. I pull my dress all the way over my head, matching black bra. He moves my hair to one side and his lips chase my shoulder blades. My hands are behind me at his waist, fondling his erection through his shorts, playing with his belt line. He slips his shorts off. I play with the fabric of his boxers and around the head of his cock before turning to face him. Something about Rob I adore is that he is excellent at kissing. He has a certain look when he is about to devour me. He has this look now. His lips are on mine, tongue teasing me. He pushes me against the wall, his dick pushing against his boxers, and all that pushed against the front of my thong. He unhooked my bra and bends to take a nipple into his talented mouth. I have to hold the door frame to stay upright, since my legs want to give way. I need him in my mouth. I pull down his boxers and walk him to the bed. I so enjoy having his cock in my mouth while looking up at him. It doesn't matter if he's looking at me or not. He usually doesn't look for long because when I take him all the way in, he needs to put his head back and close his eyes. He pulls me up. We make out. Me grinding my now very wet thong against him. He pulls it off and I get back on top. Fuck, you are wet. He is so aroused and the head of his cock is entirely engorged. I have to take my time to accept him, but he feels so wonderful as he enters me. We fuck with him, cowgirl, is actually an accurate depiction of the position. With partners past, it was not an enjoyable position because I was expecting to do a lot of work and they just lay back passively. Not with Rob. 
He has his hands on my upper thighs to depict a pace that matches how he thrusts with me. He's actually lifting and pulling me. I have to hold on to his hands to coordinate how I ride him. Oh my god, what a ride. Mm, shit, he says softly with a grin looking at me. Shit, what, I ask after he pauses. Shit, you're so sexy. We take cuddle breaks between positions. We catch our breaths, kiss, and cuddle until we get so turned on that it's time to go at it again. He extracts himself from our human pretzel. He keeps my ass towards him. Obediently, I raise my hips and he slowly pushes into me from behind. With my head turned to breathe, I can see him fucking me in the mirror. Holy fuck, this is hot. He flips me on my back and draws my knees to my chest. He holds them to bring himself in deep with every single stroke. I'm gonna come, he grunts. Yes, I respond. My speech slurred from pleasure. I expect him to finish in me, but he pulls out and ropes of cum coat my breasts and stomach. Snuggle break. I'm wondering if this is it, and this is the beginning of falling into the man gets off and falls asleep and woman remains an orgasmic trope. Nope, I shouldn't have worried. After catching his breath, he rouses me in a soft and caring way. A departure from the raw animal clawing at each other that started the night. He starts kissing me, my cheek, my neck, my shoulder, then transitions to sucking my nipples. His hands slowly tracing my body in increasingly sexual ways. It starts with a platonic and comforting shoulder rub, then romantic gentle pleasure on my waist, then sexual scratching on my back and grabbing my ass. I grind against his thigh with increasing frequency and desperation. He turns me around so I'm the little spoon and positions my leg to drape over his, opening access to my clit. He plays with me, still kissing my neck and shoulder. But as my body stiffens and my breathing becomes more labored, he focused all his attention and energy on his right hand. He feels fantastic. But I'm wondering if he's going to be able to get me all the way. Wondering at what point do I stop him and finish myself. I compromise and guide his hand a little, which he is very receptive to. And has clearly learned that women get off when there's a pleasurable and predictable rhythm. And my goodness, his forearm strength and stamina... I have never been able to masturbate the way he plays with me. I wish. He dips his fingers between my pussy lips to re-wet them, then continues to flit his fingers across my clit. That added stickiness makes all the difference. Suddenly, I'm unmistakably on the path towards an orgasm. Oh my god, yes, 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 yes. His hand is still wedged between my thighs. My arm has been behind me the whole time. My hand on his thigh and now gripping him as I brace myself with waves of pleasure. Still a new lover to me. He has just accomplished something I've only experienced three times in my life. A partner making me come using only his hands. I told him that his forearms have more stamina than mine. He laughs. I'd feel like I'm about to cramp up, then your body would signal to me that it's working, so I'd keep going. He really does want me to feel good. And he is reading my nonverbal cues. We basked in the post-orgasmic glow, as is now typical for us. We cuddled and talked. He enveloped me in a full-body hug, his leg around mine, arms swallowed me into his torso, my neck in the nook of his neck. He stroked my hair and kissed my forehead. He will be back soon enough. I can't wait. All right, that's it. It's over. 
You guys have a wonderful night. I love and appreciate each and every one of you. And I will talk to you next week.